Okay. Um, obstruction of justice is a crime. Uh, what does it mean? How do you obstruct justice? Well, there's a couple of different ways that you could do it. You could tr do witness tampering, uh, where you try to influence the witnesses to testify on your behalf um, in a way that isn't true. You could try to influence the judge. You could do it through money. You could do it through threats. You could try to influence the prosecutor and get him to stop the case. These are all obstruction of justice. Well, in the case of the federal government and Donald Trump, uh, there is an active legal investigation of him by the special counsel, Robert Mueller. If you try to influence uh, the people who are his bosses, or in essence, the prosecutors, that is obstruction of justice. Now listen to this tweet that Donald Trump just sent. This is a terrible situation, and Attorney General Jeff Sessions should stop this rigged witch hunt right now before it continues to stay in our country any further. He just told the lead prosecutor in the country, the Attorney General, the head of the Justice Department, to stop an investigation of himself. That's the definition of obstruction of justice. He just committed a crime within a tweet. I'll finish the rest of the tweet for you. Bob Mueller is totally conflicted, and his 17 angry Democrats that are doing his dirty work are a disgrace to the USA. Now, he goes on and on, and he tweets more, and he keeps calling them angry Democrats, but in fact... I don't know if everyone in Mueller's investigation is a Republican. What we do know is anyone we know, their political affiliation within Mueller's team is, in fact, a Republican. The ones we don't know, I don't know if they're Republicans or Democrats. But every public figure, Robert Mueller uh, is a Republican. Obviously, Jeff Sessions is a Republican appointed by Donald Trump. Rosenstein's a Republican. The head of the FBI, Christopher Wray, is a Republican. Comey was a Republican when uh, this all began, and it goes on and on. And any other investigator that we know within Mueller's team, the ones that we know are all Republicans. So it's, of course, another gigantic lie, uh, as usual, with Donald Trump. And look, for him to just literally say out loud in public, Mr. Attorney General, please stop this investigation of me, one, as I've always told you, he's incredibly stupid, and people get inside their own heads trying to figure out what his strategy is. Why would you do a crime in public? Why would you do obstruction of justice in public? What is he thinking? He's not thinking anything. He's such a simpleton. He's like, I don't know. This is my attorney general. Doesn't he work for me? Can't I just order him? I'm just going to order him. Well, why would I want my a guy doing an investigation of me to find out my crimes. I don't want that. Okay, I'm just going to... That's not how our system works. He's not your attorney general. He's our attorney general. He's the attorney general of the United States of America. He's the top law enforcement official in this country. He's not your personal attorney. But, of course, Donald Trump is, A, too stupid to understand that concept, has never understood it, and no one has the temerity to explain it to him because he gets so mad and he's so thin-skinned and he's so deeply insecure. Number two, he doesn't understand that saying that out loud is a crime. You moron. If you wanted to obstruct the investigation, there's actually a thousand smarter ways to do it where it could be more effective and more subtle. But when you do it publicly, now if Attorney General Jeff Sessions agrees with you, and maybe he does because he's a deep, deep right-winger. He's as right-wing as there is in the country. Now you put him in an untenable situation that if he agrees with you publicly, he's committing a crime. God, Trump is so monumentally stupid. And thank God, by the way, thank God that when fascism came to this country, it came in the form of an orange moron. So... The, the second thing is, the walls are closing in, guys. The, he's, every tweet is more panicked than the last. Every day is more panicked than the last. 
Why do you think he's panicking? Because he didn't do it? Which person in their right mind thinks that? Like, oh, no, 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 if I didn't do it, there was all this evidence of people who worked with me who are not working with prosecutors, I would panic too. Okay, maybe. Maybe if you're a really nervous guy. But uh, overall, every indication seems to be, oh, no, Michael Cohen is giving evidence and Manafort's on trial and all these guys have turned on me and they know what I did. Fire them. Fire them all. Whatever you do, fire the prosecutors. Fire the prosecutors. That's a cold stone panic. And that's what you're seeing there. Now, he never wound up building the wall, but it turns out the walls are closing in on him anyway. Hey, everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. We are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
Welcome to the new normal when in a single news cycle, the triple threats to Donald Trump's presidency are all on full display. His lies about hush money paid to a porn star, the investigation into possible collusion with Russia, and his strategy to protect himself from the Russia investigation by sliming career law enforcement and Justice Department officials up in flames today with explosive new reporting from the New York Times about the length that the FBI and Justice Department went to to keep secret the counterintelligence investigation into Trump's associates during the campaign. We start with that breaking news first revealed in the president's financial disclosure form. The Office of Government Ethics saying that a payment made in 2016 by President Donald Trump's longtime personal attorney, Michael Cohen, to an adult film actress should have been included on the president's financial disclosure form last year. The president's most recent disclosure, released today, shows a payment to Michael Cohen of between $100,000 and $250,000. The president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, was the first to admit that payments made to Cohen to repay him for things like that hush money to Stormy Daniels were, quote, funneled from Trump through Cohen's law firm to Cohen himself as reimbursement. What started as a defense against campaign finance violations may have landed the president in ethical hot water. The New York Times reporting, quote, a letter accompanying the report sent to Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, from the Government Ethics Office's acting director, David Arpole, said that the Office of Government Ethics had determined, quote, the payment made by Cohen is required to be reported as a liability. MSNBC analyst Joyce Vance putting a finer point on it, saying looks like a campaign finance violation no matter what kind of lipstick you put on the pig. Walter Schaub, the former director of OGE, tweeting, quote, this is tantamount to a criminal referral. OGE has effectively reported the president to DOJ for potentially committing a crime. Joining us to discuss the breaking news, attorney Michael Avenatti, who represents Stormy Daniels. We're also joined by Frank Figluzzi, former FBI assistant director for counterintelligence, New York Times political reporter Nick Confessori, and former U.S. attorney Barbara McQuaid. First, your reaction to the breaking news today that the president has um, potentially been referred to Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein for committing a crime. Well, Nicole, the fact of the matter is, is that these folks can't get their stories straight and they can't figure out what they want to do, uh, what they should be doing is telling the truth and they should have told the truth a long time ago. I mean, this disclosure today um, proves the following. Michael Cohen has been lying to the American people for months. David Schwartz, the individual who came on national television repeatedly on many networks and stated that the president never reimbursed the, reimbursed the payment and knew nothing about it, is lying to the American people. Mr. Giuliani, as recently as a week ago, has been lying to the American people about how this occurred and when it occurred, because according to the disclosure today, it occurred back in 2017. Mr. Trump lied to the American people when he was on board Air Force One on video and stated that he knew nothing about the payment. So this disclosure today completely undercuts all of that to begin with. And then secondly, it creates significant problems as to why this wasn't disclosed um, last year. It appears to be part of a continued cover-up relating to what the president knew and when he knew it and what he did about it. And I don't believe we, we still don't have the truth as to those questions. And it's going to be some time until we do, whether that's in response to a deposition or a sworn statement by Mr. Trump in response to Mr. Mueller or whether it's going to be in response to a deposition by me. 
You have maintained that you believe you will arrive at a point in your case where you will have an opportunity to depose the president. Does today's news um, change your belief that that is uh, ultimately what will transpire between you and the president? Well, I think it actually adds additional fuel to the fire, the burning fire, as to whether we're going to get a chance to do that. Because every time another piece of information comes out that further undercuts other statements that have been made over the last six months, I think the chances of us taking that deposition, of having an opportunity for that deposition, only grow higher. And I think that's where we are this afternoon. Let's, let's just lay it all out there. You exploded onto the scene after a little story about, in the Wall Street Journal, of all uh, uh, raging liberal media outlets, um, published a story about the Treasury Department and a financial institution flagging a suspicious payment. You've since released reports about suspicious activity reports, SARS. Um, your central contention at the beginning was that the contract that, that, that prohibited your client from speaking out about what she had um, encountered or dealt with, with with the president was null and void because it wasn't signed. Just take us through how today's development relates to the, the, the original case and, and some of the fact pattern from, from the original filing of your case to get Stormy Daniels out of the NDA to the revelation today and the disclosure from the president that he was indeed the person repaying Michael Cohen the hush money for your client. Well, very often in a case you begin to pull on a string and you don't necessarily know what that is going to result in. And Did I you think, really not know? Well, we had a pretty good idea of what some of the things that some How did of the you dominoes, have an idea? some of the dominoes that might fall. But you know, we, look, we've we've had the good fortune of having Mr. Trump on the other side of this case, and the great fortune of having Mr. Giuliani, uh, Giuliani on the other side, and the extreme great fortune of having Mr. Cohen on the other side of this case. And they've done us a lot of good along the way, and have helped out tremendously every time they go on television and make a statement that they know to be false that only assists us. And what we did know was that the denial by Mr. Cohen, that Mr. Trump, uh, uh, his statement that Mr. Trump knew nothing about this, and that Mr. Trump never reimbursed it, we knew that that was ultimately going to be proven to be nonsense. Do you, so I think we have that video of the president denying that uh, on Air Force One. Um, do we have that? Let's watch that. Watch that in real time, knowing that he was lying. Yeah, and I think I said at the time that I knew that that was going to prove to be um, false. And you have the President of the United States on board Air Force One on video uh, making known misstatements to the American people. According to the disclosure today, those reimbursements, in fact, all occurred well prior to that. They all occurred in the year 2017. This is in um, April of this year. And look, this is all part of a concentrated cover-up relating to this payment, relating to essential consultants. And sooner or later, these folks are either going to come clean voluntarily or they're going to be outed by us and others as it relates to the true facts. And let me, let me also put up, Rudy Giuliani, as you said, seemed to make things worse for the president when he talked about funneling money from the president of the United States to various women, and he, and he had a son that still doesn't match up with what was disclosed on today's forum. Let, let's see if we have Rudy Giuliani talking about funneling money. Sorry, I'm giving you a fact now that you don't know. It's not campaign money. No campaign finance violation. 
So they funneled it through the law firm. Funneled through the law firm, and the president repaid it. Oh, I didn't know he did. <laughs> he did, John. Um, that's my favorite part. That's by my way. favorite part of, of the whole year, actually, so far. Um, but let me ask you, because we've talked about, I've asked you if other women have come forward. Associates of the president do not believe that there's only one Stormy Daniels. Luckily for them, there's only one of you. Um, but they believe that there were many such arrangements. Um, and, and Rudy Giuliani seemed to believe that when talking about something that has clearly in Rudy Giuliani's mind, been operationalized. The funneling of money doesn't sound like something that happens once. It sounds like an operation meant to keep the president's um, embarrassing secret secret. Do you, are you currently representing anyone else, or do you have any evidence that there are still um, things that are not true about the financial disclosure form filed today? We are not technically representing anyone else at this time, but I will tell you that I believe this to be the tip of the iceberg. And among other things, I will state that I think it was David Schwartz on Megyn Kelly's um, show some some time ago that said that Michael Cohen's job was to be a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week fixer for the president and to clean things up. Well, you don't need a 24-7 fixer unless you're breaking a lot of things. Breaking a lot of things, including a lot of laws, Frank? Yeah, so let's put this uh, today's revelation on the financial disclosure in context. There's basically three scenarios. Two of them are really bad for the president, and one strains credulity. The first one is that the president is telling the truth. He didn't know anything about the payments. He's a good guy. He wanted to pay Michael back, so he's done that. Giuliani has actually nixed that because he said the president knew that Michael takes care of such things. So that's a problem. Scenario number two, the president knew about the payments, knew that there were illegalities underlying the payments, money laundering, emoluments clause, fictitious corporations, and decided to pay him back anyway. That makes him an accessory after the fact. Scenario number three, he didn't know there were illegalities involved, but he knew it later and he paid him back. That makes him a co-conspirator. He's in trouble today. Barbara McQuaid, let me get you to jump in, pick up Frank's thread. I'd like to know if you agree with that assessment. And then add in the wrinkle of Rod Rosenstein having another political time bomb ticking in his inbox. Yeah, so these uh, financial disclosure forms are filed under penalty of perjury. And so if last year's financial disclosure form should have included this statement, there's, there's that possibility. I don't know how frequently these cases are actually prosecuted. Prosecutors exercise a lot of discretion to make decisions because you'd have to prove that the person knew the statement was false at the time they made it. But it could lend credence to another theory, which is this idea of consciousness of guilt, that he knows that he's done something wrong and that's why he left it off the form in the past. Um, that could be a, a window into what's going on in his mind, which is often the hardest thing to prove. So all those theories that Frank just talked about, uh, the hardest part of that is proving a corrupt intent. But when someone lies on a financial disclosure form or lies to the press about something, that can indicate this consciousness of guilt. I've got something to hide, and it's a much bigger crime than this, this little lie I'm telling right now. And that seems to be the thread that runs through all of these investigations. There's now been a referral to DOJ. I imagine whether they prosecute it or not, as Barbara said, is probably um, a known unknown at this hour, but there will at least be an investigation mm -hmm. into uh, putting these forms together, things that were not true being put on these forms, whether it was done so knowingly or not. Mm -hmm. um, certainly in Jared Kushner's case, he amended his background forms. I have filled out those forms on two occasions, and the meticulousness with which you, you go back and try to remember every little 
thing in your life is unrecognizable in the way everyone from the president on down treats these. These are, in a normal administration, crimes to lie on these forms, but it seems like in some ways the least of their problems, or is it? Well, look, the key question here for Trump is whether uh, or at what time Cohen had requested repayment, so when the debt was incurred. Uh, and which seems to be 2016, and then when it was actually paid. So if he lied in the form, it's a problem for him. If he knowingly lied, it's a big problem, as we've discussed. Uh, but for me, it raises the question of what else was omitted from that form? If, his, if, if, if he leaves off a payment or a debt to his longtime advisor, imagine the scope of things he might have left off that would be even more inconvenient or embarrassing for him. And that's also a known unknown, or an unknown unknown. But it, it could point the way to many other problems if investigators start delving closely into that form and what was on it and not on it. You've got a crystal ball that, that I, I don't know where you got it, but I, I want to line on it. It always is. That's what every guy says. Um, but, but tell me if you know, you, you seem to have a jump sometimes on future damaging revelations about the president. Do you know any more than you're able to share today about other payments to other women or other people um, that were paid out to keep things that are embarrassing secret? I have other information, but I'm not at liberty to talk about it right now. But I want to go back to and touch on something that was just discussed, and that is how was the form put together? And I want to concentrate not on the form that was just filed. I want to go back in time and talk about the form last year and how that was put together. So let's back up in time and talk about that, okay? We're talking about May May of last year when that form was put together. The president's been in office at that time probably four or five months. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about likely how that form was compiled. They didn't just sit down with Mr. Trump and say, tell us all of your details and then fill out the form and have him sign it. Let's be realistic. That's not what happened. What happened was whoever was charged with compiling that information went to the people around Mr. Trump that were close to him, that would have knowledge of transactions, assets, liabilities, expenditures, and the like. I find it very, very difficult to believe that one of the people that was not consulted was Mr. Cohen. I find it impossible to believe that Mr. Cohen would not have been consulted in, in connection with the compilation of the 2016 financial disclosure form. And what this is really going to come down to is, what did Mr. Cohen, as an agent of Mr. Trump, he's an attorney, he's a personal attorney of the president. What did Mr. Cohen tell whoever was compiling this form and what did he fail to tell them and what did he conceal from them as it related to liabilities and namely the Stormy Daniels payment? And that's going to be an area of inquiry and that's going to be really, I think, a center question as it relates to this 2016 form and why this liability was not disclosed. Um, and let me ask you, Mr. Cohen isn't just um an agent of the president's or his lawyer who likely had a role in putting that form together last year. He's also someone largely rumored to be facing very dire personal mm -hmm. legal exposure right now. Is this the kind of thing that he might be willing to cooperate with to help investigators understand what was true and what was false in last year's financial disclosure form as part of any sort of arrangement for leniency for himself? with investigators. So I've worked organized crime figures, I've worked uh, high-level drug uh, cartel leaders. Eventually they have a breaking point and I believe that Michael Cohen will eventually break when it's laid out for him the federal sentencing guidelines, all the exposure he has, the ramifications on his family, he will eventually break. And what will he tell us? 
What well, does he know? What kinds of things as, a, as an FBI agent would you want to know well, from Michael Do You know what, what interests me the most is we're asking this question, and you know what? Donald Trump is asking a similar question. Do you know why? He doesn't know what Michael Cohen documented in his office, right? If, if the president doesn't use emails, then what is it that Michael Cohen does after he hangs up the phone or meets with the president? How much of this is memorialized? The president doesn't know it, and we don't know it, but this is going to get into money laundering, um, foreign power influence of the campaign, uh, back to AT&T and Novartis and, and, a, and a South Korean government-subsidized aerospace company. All of this, and the key is the knowledge, the guilty knowledge the President of the United States had of any of this. Um, let me give you the last word here, um, Barbara, on the legal side of this. And let me ask you, um, if Michael Cohen is facing as dire of a picture as Frank just painted, as, as uh, Nick and his colleagues have reported, as, as Michael's been talking about for weeks, as, as, is, as is sort of known to be his current predicament, how dangerous is he to the president right now? Well, I guess we don't know uh, completely, but potentially extremely dangerous because he was his lawyer for so many years. Um, I think as a prosecutor, you would want to get your arms around all of the contents of the office search that was done to see what you can find there. And of course, he hasn't been charged with any crimes at all yet. But if he is and he's facing exposure of uh, 10 or 15 years in prison or you know, even a day in prison, uh, he will have a strong incentive to cooperate. And he likely knows a lot about financial transactions, any fraud or public corruption, but most importantly, Importantly, he was out there communicating with Russians, with Felix Sater, with trying to put up a Trump Tower in Moscow. And so um, the real heart of the matter relating to uh, links between Russia and the Trump campaign is, is potentially known by Michael Cohen. And so um, if he faces a lengthy prison term, it seems that he will have a strong incentive to provide that information. And you hope in terms of just uh, being persuaded that telling the truth is the right thing to do at the end of the day. Let me give you the last.
Hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 